is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Radiohead. Broadcasting live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now your hosts, Tyler Klutz, Christy Scales, and Brad Sham. Welcome to Radioheads, everybody. Everybody have a good weekend? Get away from it a little bit? Did you get away from it a little bit? I did. I did. Yeah, we had some family in town, and we hung out at the house all weekend. It was great. Good. Did you watch football all weekend? I actually did. So my, my wife's sister is a hardcore football fan. So she called my, my wife, uh, gosh, two weeks ago and was like, don't plan anything Saturday or Sunday because we're going to watch football. Like So we watched the OU game. Uh, we watched uh, a little bit of the Ohio State game. Um, but you know, Sunday was all day, and then I had some kids basketball games in the middle of that, which was, you know, more enjoyable than the football Absolutely. that I watched this last week. Absolutely, and I know that Christy was at the A and M Texas basketball game. That's in right. Fort I wish Worth. I could yeah. say I saw some good basketball this weekend. And you Not also, well, the Longhorn fans thought they did. They, you yes, was it not the same game? And uh, and you were you were also at the Big Twelve championship that was game. Were you not? That, that was fantastic. That was Over a fantastic time. Game. What a great game! Holy smokes! Yeah, that was great. And especially when you don't have to stand on the sideline, you can just sit up there and eat the free food and watch the game so, and let everybody okay, so else work. When was the last time that you went to a big game? And did not have to work. Like, have you gone, Brad? Both of you, a and, cowboy game or just any? No, game? well, obviously not a cowboy game. I said it stands for the Big Twelve Championship game last year, the, okay. the Oklahoma Texas game. Okay, I mean, how is it for you? Do you feel like there's a sense of peace? Do you feel like uh, I'm still I'm still talking through it in my head, and I'm giving? <laughs> I mean, are you able to just sit and enjoy it and be a fan? Ish, ish. Uh, ish. I, I'm always I'm always. Uh, there, I'm about one eighth scouting. Yeah, I'm looking at yeah. what, okay, what players do. If it's a football mm-hmm. game, what players do I think would look good in silver and blue? And mm-hmm. is that guy as good as I think, or is it just the opposition? And and uh, then then I am uh, if I'm watching it on television or listening on the radio driving, then I'm then I am trying to put myself in the announcer's position yeah. and saying what would what, what I handle it that way. Yeah. And if I'm uh, if I'm not doing that, if I'm just watching it, uh, sometimes I can I can enjoy it just okay. for the theater. Yeah. I would think in person cuz I know me, if I'm I'm in the stands and I'm sitting behind Brad Sham or Christy Scales, I'm tapping you on the shoulder the entire time. Like, hey, what'd you think there? And that'd be oh, a good reason but, not to go sit in the stands. That's exactly right. That's exactly you right. You got to be very careful who you're sitting. Big with. hats, big yeah. hats, right? Yeah. And then yeah. sunglasses. And I've actually, I've actually seen Brad at a game, and he was wearing a mustache with a big nose. Yeah. On it and so a that he didn't have to talk. Yeah. Didn't have to answer questions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I should think about that. Some of the other places I go. So uh, okay, so not football. I know we're not talking football. I'm, I'm trying to delay no, what we're going to dive into later. But uh, so favorite sport, non-football sport to go watch in person. Well, for Christy, it's anything that A&M's playing. OK, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, 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 get loved, that. I love uh, basketball because that's what I played in school. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, high caliber volleyball is excellent. Yeah. If you see like Stanford and stuff like that, because I played that in school. But I love soccer. Yeah. I love to watch, uh, especially high level, the, our U.S. women's national team. I'd rather yeah. see them than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Put me at Wrigley Field, or or anywhere the Cubs are playing. Yeah, uh, that's good. I mean, I love a good baseball game. Yeah, um, and basketball. I I like. I really like watching the Mavericks. I think they do a great job of presenting the experience. Yeah, 
and and usually they're entertaining mm-hmm. as a team. And this year, of course, they they really yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. But I like the way their their organization puts on the game, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that's a fun experience. Now there have been many times over the years on the road when. Christy and I and Bob Thomas, our statistician, Dan Miles, our producer, whoever will go to random uh, basketball catch or Saturday any, night anything game. we can any, catch <laughs> Army Navy game. Oh, that's one, that's one year. That was, that was great. But we thir- Wednesday we were in Chicago yeah. and and. Uh, Christy had theater plans, and I had dinner plans, but Danny Miles, our booth producer, went to the DePaul-Texas Tech game. Oh. Yeah. And, like, one of the most fun things I've been to, we had a game in Minnesota, and I went the night before. I had never seen a college Mm -hmm. hockey game. And that was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. She's a beast, though. She'll do anything. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. 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 See, and and I would say... Hockey has been one of those things that has grown on me in person. Yeah, you have to see Never it in person been able to, to appreciate watch it. it. And growing up in California, it was not a part of right. the California culture. Uh, but when I played up in Canada, went to actually we went to we went to some Oiler games. Kind but of then, part of the culture there. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but even so, I would say I would say that EHL up there, the developmental league, uh-huh. got as many people, not as many people, just because the arena wasn't big, but. Probably as much of a following as the CFL does. Sure. Like people love like that. You know, it's like it's like going to a Texas Legends game or a Rough Riders game. I mean, it's it's a good crowd, but in person, man, it, it really it really is fun. Yeah, when we had the game in Detroit a few weeks ago, yeah. there was the. Uh, they, there was no professional sports going on in town. The Michigan game uh, was Michigan, Michigan State was earlier that day. Christy's not know. saying Michigan, Michigan State are professional teams. She, yeah. She's, yeah. Anyway, we, we weren't there, able to go to that well because be. it, it kicked off early. But across the bridge in Windsor, Windsor, and Windsor yeah, home in Canada, yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, they had their developmental team was playing, but it was impossible to get tickets. Oh wow. <laughs> How about that? But you, because you tried. Yeah. 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 We went to a Suns game one year in Phoenix. Oh, yeah. we, uh-huh. we we do we do a lot of that. I know, like Joe Trahan with the with the Cowboys on the PR department. He always tries to catch a soccer game. He's a big MLS mm-hmm. fan, well, as well as you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. when we were in London, did you oh, did you get a chance to the to last get time? Out? Yeah. The last, the last time. time. Brad, Brad hooked us up. Shall we tell him? This you will kill the him. segment. You um, should tell him. Hey, so. I'm a better big, than what we're going to talk about. I'm a big Manchester United fan. Yes, I do know that. Because when I, in 1976, uh, for a period of time, I was the PR director of the Chicago Sting of the North American Soccer League. And our coach was a fellow by the name of Bill Folk, may he rest in peace, who had been a really tough defender for Manchester United for their team in the 50s. That lost most of its team in a plane crash in Munich in the late 50s. And Bill was a survivor of the plane crash. So working with him made me a Man U fan. So I've been a Man U fan. And on my sports bucket list, at the top of it, had been to see a game at Mm -hmm. Old Trafford at their ground. And I thought, well, that's not going to happen until I retire. And God willing, when I retire, I'll be too old to travel. So uh, (laughs) that won't happen. Well... Our statistician, Bob Thomas, when when the Cowboys were playing the Jaguars in London, is it five years ago now? Yes. It was 2014. Yeah. Yeah. So Bob said, you know, um, Manchester United's at home the day before the game. It's an (laughs) afternoon game. And uh, you can take a train. I said, you can? I didn't – I had no knowledge of the geography of England. 
And so um, this is actually kind of an amusing story to me, and I would rather talk about this than what we're going to talk about, too. So, uh, so you know, the the uh, Glazer family in Tampa owns Manchester yep. United. Yep. So I thought, oh, this will be a slam dunk because I know Christy would want to go, mm-hmm. and Bob would want to go, and then we had a bunch of people want to go. So, great, we'll just get tickets, and we'll get on the train, and we'll go to Manchester. And so I started making calls months before. Mm-hmm. And yes, no problem. NFL people in London, yep, we'll get you taken care of. We'll get you taken care of. Now we're getting ready to leave, and I don't have any confirmation. Oh, no, 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 we're, we're going to get you taken care of. And then we landed. And, uh, well, I think we're going to be okay. Hello? Uh, and then we were like a, a day into the stay. And, yeah, you know, that just didn't work out. And so, But here's what we can do. We can put you in touch with this person who will sell you their VIP packages. Now, I've already told six people that we're going. Hey, got tickets. We're, we're covered. So <laughs> I said, oh, okay, let me talk to somebody. And so I did. So they have two VIP plans. One of them was sold out. But the other one, the one that we got, was one of the best sporting adventures of my life. And I think everybody had a great time. So we took a train from London to Manchester, a couple hours. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it let's, was, what was it, like a 3 o'clock kickoff? Something like that. We so, left in the morning to get there yeah, early so afternoon. So we're there, we're there mid, mid to late morning. And you get off the train and take a trolley across town uh, to a little rugby stadium that Manchester United owns. Mm-hmm competitive rugby team that's about a quarter of a mile from Old Trafford. And you go in into this VIP experience. Now there's a guy in white gloves, dressed butlerish, uh, standing at the door. And the Man U logo is on these glass doors. And they've got these, these female attendants that are dressed to the nines in uniforms. And each person gets a little white box with... Uh, their individual ticket and all kinds of paperwork, and it's a souvenir item. Mm. And you go upstairs to the big club, and they have – so what our, our experience includes a three-course served seated meal, an open bar – I said an open bar before the game, uh, the equivalent of Tyler Klutz – is there a former Man U player is there to give you a chalk talk on what's going to happen in the game. And each person at his or her seat has a little replica old-style British football, mm-hmm. brown, leathery-looking, but it's, but it's rubber, mm-hmm. with the date and the opponent stamped on it. And so you have this, and you have this great meal, and they serve you, and the, did I mention open bar? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, you have lunch, and the former player gets up and says, here's what we are, here's what they are, here's what we're trying to do, blah, blah, blah. Now we go. And you watch only a quarter of a mile. And, of course, it's on But the, that's part of the experience is oh, walking to the stadium yes. with everyone, right? And which on the way is the big mega store. Yeah. So oh, that's, of course. Yeah, and and Brad is such a sucker for that. Yeah. That's, so. I'm all about the merch. That's <laughs> yeah. 45 minutes yeah. gone and several yeah. hundred but dollars. It was great. But so that's like that's like the Yankee. That's like the yeah. Cowboys, right? Yeah. Man, you. But a couple of nights before, we had gone to Craven Cottage, which was built in the 1890s and is mm. the home of Fulham, which uh, is a smaller team. Yeah. And I'd say uh, the cottage holds. 
holds what maybe like fifteen thousand people. If you think that. it holds that many? Ma- maybe not even well, that many. It was but but it, it would. It's fantastic. It's in a neighborhood there in London. So we got we got the major league experience, and even though. Yeah. You know, it's kind of more the minor league neighborhood AAA. experience. Yeah. And then and then early in the week, we landed in the afternoon, the team did, and I couldn't get anybody to go with me, but threw my bags in the room, got on the um, tube, whatever they call it over there in London, and went to an Arsenal game. Oh, wow. But, but anyway, so that's five years ago. Now, fast forward to this summer, and the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, and it's a secret, but they are going to perform on stage here in Dallas during their concert stop in Dallas with Queen. So Brian May, Roger Taylor. Well, I get to go there because they're doing a rehearsal with Brian May and Roger Taylor at about 4.30. The concert starts at 7.30 that night. And so Brian May is up on stage with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, and out walks Roger Taylor. Roger Taylor. Now, for those of you who don't know who Roger Taylor is, he's the drummer for Queen, original member, member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, just an all-time great in rock. So he just sits down, and I decide, I'll just sit down and talk to Roger Taylor, and we're talking about English soccer, and I'm telling him how we went to Craven Cottage and went to Man U, and he says, I'm a Chelsea man myself. And so we we spent 10 minutes talking about English soccer. So you never know. You never know. And and to finish the story of the experience at Manchester United, because I didn't quite, we walked to the game. Sold out stadium, phenomenal atmosphere, so different to experience. So different. Mm-hmm. There, there's no even cheerleaders. The, even the American football game is a different atmosphere than it is here. There's no cheerleaders. There's there's not a lot of uh, external prompting to do. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows, and everybody's paying attention to yeah. the game. Mm-hmm. The beer concessions and the food concessions are closed during play. Mm-hmm. But they open right at halftime, and you go out, and you get whatever, and you go back, and you now you watch the game. Now you finish the game. You walk back the quarter of a mile to the rugby stadium. You go back upstairs for dessert and more open bar, and the same <laughs> former player is there to give you a breakdown break of what happened. Immediately after. It's a phenomenal experience. Huh. That's why they're the number two most expensive for- <laughs> franchise. Absolutely but I mean, but it's experience. but it's all about the experience, right? right? Even in real estate, right? That's what we that's what we focus on all the time. Everyone wants an experience. So I mean, and so we're talking boring stuff like real estate, but like you can create a, uh, an experience with that. And that's why Man U is so good. That's why sure. the Jones family is because they've created an experience here at the Star in Frisco over at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. It's an experience that you can't replicate. You'll tell that story till the day that you die. Yes, I will. And 50 years from now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, and... it started 15 minutes ago. <laughs> We're halfway there. I know. I know. We're almost so... done. <laughs> We're almost done. So, uh, anyway. But speaking of creating experiences, yes. the Cowboys are creating some experiences. Yes. So why don't we take a break and then we'll get right to... The um, putrid mess that has become what this team is putting on the field. But it can turn around because we'll show you how it turned from super competitive to ugly, nasty, almost in the blink of an eye, which means it can happen again. And we'll do that when we come back on Radioheads. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. 
Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this, download the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Ready? Okay. Give me an S. S. Give me an O. Just okay is not okay. Whether it's cheerleaders or your wireless network, AT&T is America's best wireless network. Best network based on GWS1 score September 2019. Back to Radioheads. With Tyler Klutz and Christy Scales, I'm Brad Sham. Back on Radioheads, we're going to return our attention now to the stumbling Dallas Cowboys who still have opportunities to do everything they wanted to do at the beginning of the year, albeit in a much more unconventional way than they ever had in mind. So first, the Cowboys have changed kickers today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brett Maher, who is a guy that we all really like personally, but who had missed 10 field goals, and you just can't do that. You have to do your job. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wasn't able to do it, so they signed Kai Forbath, who has been with several teams, and Christy, he's an interesting guy to me. He was a really good kicker at UCLA, and he was actually the Cowboys were his first professional team, and he was hurt, wasn't he? In two, he was that was the, that, the summer right. of Dan Bailey. Yeah, it, he and uh, Dan Bailey came in as undrafted guys, and uh, Kai had he was on NFI, so that's the non-football injury list. So he wasn't even really kicking in during the off season, and then into training camp, and Dan Bailey won that job outright. So that was way back in 2011, and then. Uh, Kai, after getting released by the uh, Cowboys, losing that competition to Bailey, uh, the next year he was with uh, Tampa Bay in the preseason, gets cut. He signs with Washington to replace former Cowboy kicker Billy Cundiff, if you remember that name, but uh, played three full seasons, I'm sorry, five seasons with uh, Washington. And then was with the Saints, with Minnesota, uh, Minnesota for a couple of seasons, was with Jacksonville for three games last year. He did kick in one game this year in the NFL for New England, and that's when... Yep. And that was against the Texans, yep. right? And when he had to fill in for Nick Folk because Nick Folk had appendicitis, and then once Nick recovered, then uh, Kai was uh, without a job, and so he was part of the kicking competition today and was signed for, by the Cowboys. So Kai Forbath, the former, I think of him as a Redskin and as the undrafted rookie free agent who never was healthy enough to really get that shot I, back in I, 2011. I think it's fair to say the book on him is uh, – Pretty accurate, especially in the 40s. Uh, not as strong a leg, but he's like 82% for his career. And mm-hmm. so, you know, Brett Maher 
bless his heart, was down in the 60s, which is way unacceptable. You yeah. can't you can't yeah. do that. Can't for miss this ten year. kicks. And and yeah. the thing about it, you know, the the miss that he had in Chicago, that was just the pinprick in the the balloon. The yeah. balloon didn't completely pop at that point, but that's when the air started leaking out of the game, and you you could yeah. just feel it on the sideline. Yeah, and and as a kicker, um, I mean. It's it's a hard job, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, you got one job, you got to kick, because it's a really really difficult job. But your job is to be a safety net for a coach. And now, when you're coach, and you could see some of the decisions that he that Jason was making, he didn't. You are making now it hard for Jason Garrett to make some of these decisions. Like I normally, this is a, a 46 yard field goal. Normally, I'd get my kicker out there, kick a field goal. Now he's going for it on fourth and four. And or fourth and three when he just traditionally would not do it. Although everyone as fans were like, no, go for it, go for it, be aggressive, be different. But as as a as a kicker, your job is to be that safety net for the coach. And I think it changed the last three weeks in Jason's eyes. He was not confident in putting that field goal unit out there to get the you know guaranteed points. So the uh, the Cowboys in fact in effect have a bonus practice day today because yeah. of the Thursday night game. But they did something this morning. That is traditional around here, and Tyler, you were a part of it. They That's go yep. on the on uh, on a Monday morning uh, around this time. Uh, you, it might be after Thanksgiving if they don't have a Thursday game the following week. Mm-hmm. Um, to half the team goes to uh, Dallas Children's Hospital, half the team goes to Cook Children's in Fort Worth, and they visit kids in the hospital. And you, mm-hmm. Christy, you. Tagged along for right, one of yeah. those, right? Yeah, and the, and the cowboy cheerleaders go as well, mm-hmm. and it's just a, a wonderful thing. Amazing and, day. and and I would guess Tyler that this probably is like perfect timing for mm-hmm. this year because everything's kind of been gloom and doom during this three game losing spe- yeah. streak. Yeah, and that's it, what it I was totally say. Is. This was my this was my favorite thing that we did as a team a year, and and uh, you know re- it was a really crazy deal. I signed uh, with the Cowboys in 2013. Uh, the week we played Chicago, so it was the very last week in November, and then the following Monday we went and did the the hospital visits, and it was a it was a crazy experience for me. And why I love it so much is we went to Med City Dallas uh, to the you know pediatric oncology unit there, and uh, I, and I was walking through, and uh, a woman walked up to me. And she says, I know your wife. And, you know, we lived in California. Like, we didn't have any ties in Dallas. And I said, oh, that's crazy. Uh, She goes, yeah, so I took care of your wife's sister. Um, And I was like, and my wife, my wife lost her sister to Wilms tumor cancer. Uh, And my sister, my wife's sister was about 12 uh, when she passed. Um, And I was like, no way. So I text my wife and and, and she literally started crying as I'm telling her, because that was her sister's nurse, which was like a second mom to all her entire family. And how long had it been? It had been 20 years. Stop it. 20 years. Wow. 20 years. What are the chances of that? I mean, it, it's insane. And, and she and sought you out and found you and she remembered saw, the and whole yeah. thing. And so because my mother-in-law and her still talked because they were that close. Um, but I didn't know anything about that. And so, I mean, since then, now my wife and I were counselors at Camp I Hope, which is a camp that she did in California for siblings and patients and survivors uh, of children's cancer. And we do that every summer up in Anna, Texas, the YMCA camp. But I mean, it was crazy. Like, literally, I'm six days into life in Dallas and come across this because of these hospital visits. But it's experiences like that. I mean, back in the day, it was like Des playing Madden um, with these little kids. And I mean, I 
how can you say that? And now Des and Orlando were like probably too competitive with some of the some of the uh, <laughs> some of the patients that we went to visit. But like it's such an incredible thing, and the perspective that you walk away from that is like. I know that like this is really stressful for everyone and it's a it's a you know high profile position but this is life and death these kids and families are living in hospitals half of them can't even can't even afford uh you know to actually stay with their kids because they still have to work so now these kids are spending time in the hospital by themselves and just to have you know the the players and cheerleaders come in and spend some time with them. It means the world. And another thing that happens is the players are always available to the media as they leave, usually, yeah, right? And, so and so it's the first. Yeah, the, it's the first time the media has talked to the players since immediately after the yeah. loss on Thursday night. So uh, Demarcus Lawrence, who this year is a co-captain of the defense, and the you know frankly the pass rush needs to improve. And Demarcus Lawrence is you know I mean he's still the racing lizard as. Uh, Rod Marinelli calls him, you know, chasing down plays and effort. But uh, DeMarcus was asked about the lull, and he says uh, he's accepting blame, and he says, I testify and take take ownership of those last couple games. I haven't been playing like myself. I haven't been taking up a leadership role I should be taking. It's time for me to step up. The Lord has blessed us with another opportunity to make these playoffs, and it's time to do so, Mm -hmm. unquote. So talking the talk. But I'll I'll be honest, last week I kind of bought in when Dak was the one and stood in front of his locker and said, talk is cheap, it's time to show up. Well, they had a great opening drive on Thursday night, and after that it was downhill. So let's see if DeMarcus and uh, the defense can live up to the words spoken earlier today. Yeah, that defensive side of the ball, and I know everyone's pointing the finger at that side, and and rightfully so, but more more over just – individuals not playing as high a level as they should it's collectively they're not playing on the same page as a unit so that leadership and we talk about the leadership side the leadership uh, group on that team has to step up they have to bring the guys together and get everyone going in the same direction at the same speed right I just I feel like there's a lack of urgency across the board on the defensive side of the ball now the offense yes like can they play better? Absolutely. They absolutely can. But just on defense, tr- the defensive unit is the tone setter. They are they are the group that sets the tone and are contagious more so than the offense. So if the defense is playing well, traditionally the game goes better. But if, you know, the offense scores a bunch of points but the defense is playing how they have been, doesn't matter. But that defensive leadership unit has to do something. And I'm saying Jalen. I'm saying DeMarcus. I mean, Michael Bennett's been stepping up in vocal, but he, he just hasn't been here long enough. Uh, but the guys that, he also that have has, been— he's, He also has six neutral zone or offside penalties in that six is, games. And, that's, and, and to your point, like the hard part is, is that the guys that have been leaders have not been playing well. So how are the younger guys going to look at them and say, well, like, I can't do what you're doing? Because, you know, Jason Witten, a guy like him, when I was playing, was like, I'm going to watch everything that he does because he just does it right. He may not be the most athletic or the fastest tight end in the league, but he does everything right. Where we can't say that right now about some of the individuals on that defensive unit and on the offensive unit for for that. But as as a – like Demarcus, Jalen, um, I mean Jeff, who's you know been battling back and forth, but like the leadership, Byron, the guys that are out there have to just look. I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to bring everyone along with me. So before we take another break, I want to just follow up uh, along the lines of that delineation because as I was watching the game Thursday night, 
You know, one of the things that we look for is, when things aren't going well is is effort, commitment. Mm-hmm. Babe, babe likes to talk about uh, when when Ricky Waters, I guess he was in Philadelphia, for who, said, yeah. you know, for Philly who, before for what. before he was in San Fran. Yeah, yep. and and Seattle, and ben, and he famously said, "For who, for what? You know, why yeah. would I go across the middle? Why would I uh, stay in bounds? Why would I? I mean, for who, for what? Yeah, well, for the team. But if you get a for who, for what?" moment Mental, going on yeah. then you then you're you're in big big trouble and i remember thinking watching the game and christy you got an even better perspective of this as close as you are to the action on the sideline but i remember thinking when they when they were in have to throw every down mode and khalil mack and floyd and all those guys were just drooling to to be doing nothing but rush the passer and and i remember thinking to myself you cannot pass block mm-hmm. against that kind of relentless effort mm-hmm. and be accused of not trying. Yeah. It's, it, those two things don't go together. So That's right. Now, you can accuse them of playing poorly as an offense. Yeah. When you look at all the number of times that they went three and out and the ineffective things they did, you can accuse them of not playing well. Yeah. But I don't think you can accuse them of not playing hard. That's right. I'm no. just talking about the, the offense. The, did you the, have yeah. that feeling? The, the, the effort is there. And I know everyone's tired of saying this, the execution. Could you see more fire from the defense, more rallying to the ball, mm-hmm. as we saw last year? That's the thing. Defense is more effort, isn't yes. it, Tyler? Yes. you know, you got to be in the right every, place, la- yes. Last year, it was more everybody yeah. to the ball. You saw, you saw three hats on a tackle. Right. You see a lot of missed single tackles right now. You see a lot of those. Yeah. And I think... I think this we keep hearing that this defense is about assignment sound and gap control. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a gap. Yeah. Be in your gap, be assignment sound. Mm-hmm. Do what this is not a defense. Now you you played. You're you're going to have to jump in and correct me. Mm-hmm. This is not a defense that that tries to make its living by confusing you. No. They're, they're not trying to disguise what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're just Trying to be disciplined. Yep. Everybody, you, your assignment is this. Mine is right here. Yours is right there. Mm-hmm. Now, if he decides, I'm going to make this play, even though it's over there, and he gets out of his gap and doesn't stick to his assignment, all of a sudden the guy's back over there, he's out of position, he's flailing around, and the guy's running yeah, free. Yeah, and I just want to, before I say it, you know, about all the hats to the ball, I'm not implying that the defensive players are not putting forth effort. Right. It's that it's not disciplined, to it's, your point it's what of you're that. Saying. So it's yeah. trying to do too much They're sometimes. Not, I will say sometimes. they don't appear to me to be focused and on the same page. Mm-hmm. I think there's some freelancing well, well, going I, on. You know, but all it takes is one person or two to be slightly off and it makes it look like that. Yeah. So, and, and there's literally one play, you know, that comes to mind. Um, it was, uh, it was a run play um, that was it Cohen. Cohen came back. Anyways, it was a zone run, right? And, and our D line, we slanted from, from the defenses right to the left. And then Jalen was supposed to capture that edge. Jalen got too far inside, and then we got out out leveraged, right? And he outran it. Jalen ran it down. I think he made the tackle for like ten yards. Not a like hugely significant play in the game, but that's that was what I saw over and over and over. 
like you said, we're not a confusing defense. As a fullback and, and a running back, I loved it because, okay, hey, I know that there's going to be movement up front, but I know who I'm going to get. Like, I'm not, I don't have these, okay, hey, two down guys and seven guys standing up and moving around like Rex Ryan's defense or uh, Rob Ryan's defense in New Orleans used to do. Like, you know who you got and then go block them and go out execute them. Um, but in this defense, it really is about being where you need to be and not where you're not supposed to be. And we're, we're there way too much, way, way too much. And then it's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that there's not effort, but. If you're out of position a little bit, you can make up with it with effort. Even with the athleticism that we have with our linebackers and and our D-line, you can make up, and we're just not getting back there. So we'll take one more break, and then we'll talk about what can they get corrected Hmm. in time to do what they are trying to do, which is still sitting there for them. Crazy. If they can stay out of their own way, we'll (laughs) be right back on Radioheads. Just okay is not okay. Whether it's cheerleaders or your wireless network, AT&T is America's best wireless network. Best network based on GWS1 score September 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again for tailgating with the OtterBox boys. OtterBox, the company that builds wildly overproductive phone cases? The one and only. But cases are just the start. OtterBox is the official outfitter of tailgating. If they can keep my phone safe, what can they do for my parking lot party? How about protecting your beverages from suboptimal drinking temperatures with their elevation tumblers? And OtterBox elevation tumblers come in three sizes. A 10-ouncer, a 20-ouncer, and even a 64-ounce grab. Check out all the colors and sizes of their Elevation tumblers at OtterBox.com. Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this... the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. Hey Cowboys Nation, this season when the Cowboys win, you get to experience the sweet taste of victory because if the Cowboys win, the next day Duncan is offering a free medium hot or iced coffee. So don't just celebrate the Cowboys success from the sidelines, head to Duncan and treat yourself to real victory because this season Cowboys fans aren't only winning on game day, they're winning the next day too with a free medium coffee. Cowboys Nation runs on Duncan. Excludes cold brew. Limit one per guest. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Back to Radioheads. And welcome back. Brad Sham, Christy Scales, Tyler Klutz on Radioheads. By the way, uh, later this evening, for those of you who are streaming us live, um, at 7 p.m. Central tonight, we'll have the Monday Night Cowboys Hour, which um, on the radio always airs at 7 Mm p.m., but we tape it at 6 but not tonight because the team is practicing late uh, this afternoon, and they won't be done till almost 6. So Dak Prescott's going to be on tonight, and he is going to be uh, in the south concourse of the Ford Center. Mm-hmm. And Tyler is grinning because he doesn't have to be in the position of having a public conversation <laughs> with Dak. And he's wondering The only what... ones I've, I've done two with Dak. One was in the summer, so everyone's in a great, in a great mood. Right. And the other was... Uh, 
around New Year's, his rookie year. So on the cusp of his first playoff experience, sure. and I was killing it, and was sure. So those interviews were great. So a friend of mine said to me, "Are you looking forward to tonight?" I said, "No." Oh. First of all, it's an hour later. I'm going to get home. My my day is longer. Yeah. Second of all, what am I supposed to do? Sit down and say, "So, Dak, why do you stink? Why is your team just awful? Why can't you?" Be- and and no one is competing harder or more frustrated, right. I think, than him. Yeah. Uh, and he can't fix everything. He can yeah. only be himself. But it'll be interesting to get his perspective. Yeah. Uh, I, I would have. I would really like. I would like to ask a couple questions. And what the difference in John Kitna has been for him? Great. Like I have not heard him specifically say that. Like what the difference in his routine this off season, what his preparation looks like, because he does look like a different quarterback than he has in years past. Like there has definitely been a progression for him. Um, and then also Kellen Moore. Like he's, you ask him that. The hard part is, is he's going to give the PC answer, which he, as a quarterback, you've got to keep things going in the right direction. You can't say anything that's going to raise alarms. But I, I would really like to get his perception of it. My thoughts is that he does enjoy Kellen as a coordinator and a relationship. You know, they, um, I mean, they played together, um, you know, for a short time. Uh, but and, and by the way, I think Kellen was the. Along with Mark Sanchez, the biggest help to Dak in his rookie year. Yes. Remember, Kellen was supposed to be the backup. Yep. Broke and, his leg in and, training camp. And he broke his ankle. Tank broke his ankle for him in training yeah. camp. And that's what made him the backup quarterback before yeah. Tony Romo got hurt well, in Seattle. Well, Jameel Showers was still the number two. Yes. No, uh, well, no, he, 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 had, he had already kind of beat out Jameel. He, had Jameel, he? Okay. Jameel hadn't been moved to safety yet. Right. That was, yeah. that was late. But he went into training camp competing he with Jameel, Jameel. Okay. for yeah. number three, and yeah. there were a lot of people who thought after the first week that Jameel looked better. I was going to say, mm-hmm. I remember Jameel mm-hmm. had a very good start to that camp, mm-hmm. and then it just... Anyways, but when they came back, Kellen came back to have surgery. Yeah, uh, I think he came back out to California. But then he, I know that he he was he was the Dak whisperer yeah. along with Sanchez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. in that 2016 season. Yeah, and at that point, Kellen had no thought of not playing. Of course, in 17, he did play quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, yeah, my, but his his perception. Five years wrong. 17, 15, 17. The 16, years, 16, 15, was 15, 16 was his rookie. No, he but was, when Kellen played quite a bit, uh, that was fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. That was the year yeah. before. He, yeah, yeah he played the, the last. Yeah, played at Buffalo. Started out. But but I would I would love that. And then you know really like the shift too for you know what he feels like the responsibility has been shifted onto him much more greatly this year, right? Whereas his first couple years. The run game was was our strength. That's what they leaned on. That's what he got behind. Now, as a quarterback, how does that feel different, right? Guys like Drew Brees, guys like Tom Brady that carry the weight of that offense. And if they don't perform the offense, well, the Saints did it pretty well with Bridgewater. But, um, but I mean, those guys and the pressure and how he's handling that. Because I, I, I think that he's playing still at a very, very high, high level, right? And there are some things that he can't, <clears throat> that he can't control. Uh, as a quarterback, which unfortunately you still have to take responsibility for those things because you are the the face of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, like I would love to know how he can how he can have the ability to put the contract stuff aside and maybe behind closed doors that is something that he thinks about and talks with his agent a lot. But you know, from an outsider looking in, he has done a spectacular job of pushing that off. And focusing on playing. Yeah. When you played, 
There must have been years you played without multi-year guaranteed contracts. Oh, that was every year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And 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 in December, I was worried about Wednesday. That's right. It. Do yeah, I keep my you, job yeah, this week? You, you get paid on Tuesdays, yes. right? When you're an NFL player. So now player. do I earn my job for the rest of yeah. the week? Yeah. yeah. But you weren't worried about in November and December. You weren't worried about whether you were going to get a new contract or where you were going to go if this team didn't. Were you? You were worried no. about getting ready for that week's game. That's exactly right. Whereas now he's thinking. I mean, some of these guys, it, it's long term. But he, I think, I don't he's think just he's worried it. about if he's going to get a contract, though. No, 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 oh, no not a contract. That's going to be done. Not a contract, but that is some, that's a big number looming, right? Thirty to thirty-four million. I mean, I don't know if oh, those at numbers least. have I changed. I think it's going to be right? at least thirty-four. Yeah. Yeah, and so where that lands, but he has done a great job, I believe, of staying focused. And you know, now, okay, how do we take that to the next level from a leadership? perspective Both. and that's the key leadership and this yeah. is this is uh if you get a chance for this and especially when you're on a three-game losing skid you know his he has two degrees from mississippi state right so psychology but his master's is in workforce leadership mm. so he and he wants to be he he's, literally he's, 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 he's has a me, degree in this yes he wow. literally has a degree in it and and i've done interviews with him before about his educational background and he wants to be a sports psychologist after his playing days, that's his ambition. And so I think it would be interesting if you have an opportunity tonight to talk about this, yeah. about the psychology and what he can do to lift the team, right? So how does he see his role? What did he, you know, not just his experience as a player at Mississippi State, but what he learned in his studies and working on his master's and how you can apply it to the current situation that the Cowboys are in. Great question. Very good question. And I'm, I will ask him that. It ties into me in uh, the area that I think is the hardest to get a handle on and we'll call on Tyler's expertise to put a bow on this. Um, the, these guys are all the best players from their high schools and colleges. Um they all know they're good players. It's always struck me that the um, collective confidence is mm. a fragile item. Mm. And this team doesn't have any mm-hmm. at the moment. And I don't know how you tell. I'm not talking about sack dances and yeah. touchdown celebrations. You can tell when players are confident. The offense was really confident the first three weeks mm-hmm. because they had produced results. So how do you how do you tell when the confidence isn't there and when you know it's not there? Mm-hmm. And you know it's reattainable, how do you get it back? So I, I it's a tough question because I think you can interchange confidence with trust. And I think in whom in your in your teammate next to you. So we talk about the defensive side of the ball. I don't think that there's trust between units. I think there's the linebacker unit, there's the D line unit, and then the DB unit. I think they're very segregated. As I watch it, those are three completely different units on the field. As they You're should. You're talking be about on. emotionally segregated. Yes, yes, yeah, and I because they would tell you right now they're all together. Oh and yeah, they're brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but they're playing very very segregated. They're playing very differently, whereas the safeties 
it's very they're they are a huge part in that run defense. And I just haven't seen the safeties come up and make the plays that this defense requires safeties to play. Because and I don't know if it's the linebackers are trying to do too much because they don't think the safeties are there, or the D line are trying to play two gaps because they don't think the linebackers are going to get to it. But there's not a level of trust. And I think from a confidence perspective, and you talk about you know offense, I don't, I just, I don't know if there is the high level of trust because unfortunately at this level there is a lot of trust in yourself and confidence in yourself. Like I'm a great player, but when things go bad, very very easily that finger starts pointing at other people. And it's not myself, and it's someone else that needs to fix it. Whether hey, it's the fullback or the running, the tailback needs to make sure he picks up that block. It's not the offensive line's fault; it's the running back's fault because he didn't pick up that safety blitz on the backside, or he didn't see that hot route when they came when they brought pressure on the other side. Or the running backs are like, no, 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 no. It's the O-line's fault because they didn't point the right guy. Or they didn't slide when they were supposed to do this. Or, hey, they didn't get a hand on that guy. Or the quarterback didn't get rid of the ball quick. as He's supposed to be hot and throw that hot route. So very, very, very quickly, when things start going bad, you start to justify that I'm doing good, but he's not. And so, and then, I mean, it starts from coaches. And you see it in the coaches. And I, 2015, I saw it a lot. I saw a lot of the coach, position coaches pointing the finger at the other groups. Because now it's self-preservation. When everyone's job's on the line, they're trying to say, no, 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 no. According to this scheme, the running backs are supposed to pick this up. Or, hey, no, 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 this this pass protection plan that the O-line coach put in, that's, this doesn't work. Or, I mean, whatever it is. But there's a lot of self-preservation at this point right now, especially when jobs are on the line. By the way, that is – I know we're going to run over a second, but that is a, a, a part of the current environment that I find concerning. Um I don't know to what extent players really can shut out all the noise. I don't think assistant coaches do. Mm-mm. I think it's impossible. Mm-mm. And and what people don't understand is when a when you're talking about replacing a head coach, you are talking about the likelihood of replacing Entire about staff. 23 assistant coaches yep. who all have wives and children. Yeah. And so now instead of worrying about how are we going to integrate our defense mm-hmm. to stop Todd Gurley mm-hmm. or to keep uh, Woods from getting behind that tight end and over mm-hmm. the middle instead of integrating that you're worried about uh what's going to happen yeah. to my health care I've got uh, kids and the, yeah that's very real stuff. And I remember when before coach Garrett's last contract I remember talking to because my wife was is very close with the other coaches' wives because the the women's community here is really strong, and I remember that was a huge deal. Like wives were really stressed out, and as a husband, even though you're at the office, you're working all day long and you're home super late. You have to carry that as a husband and father for your family. So to act, to be able to say I can I can ignore the noise. You can't. You can't ignore you your can wife. Ignore so, yeah, you can ignore you, some of the noise, but you the, cannot I'm ignore... I'm talking about, yeah, media noise, you don't have to turn the radio right. on, you don't have to know... But when you start hearing it from your wife, because it's everywhere, and it gets in your wife, and she's worried about it, because wives innately, they're worried about, okay, our family, what are we going to do? Where are our kids going to go to school? Should we put these kids in private school yes. for next year? Yeah. Should we move? Can we... But Yes. So there is... there. I mean, it's, it is a... It, it's life. It is a really big deal. 
Um, and so it is hard when I do listen to, you know, sports radio or everyone's calling for people's heads and they're saying this. What if someone was constantly asking for your job, telling you that you can't, you need to go somewhere else and you got to move to Philly or you got to move to LA or you got to move to Houston because you're not doing what we expect you to do? Like, there's really bad radio guys out there that like talk and like have all these opinions and there's no, there's no consequences for that. There's real life consequences for these guys getting fired, player or coach, because it affects the entire family. So it's not just like, and so I have a really hard time when everyone's super, and I know it's your job and we're doing the same thing right now. Yeah. But here's the deal. I, these people have lives and football is right. a game ultimately. Yes, it's an expensive game, but it is a game. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Hey! <laughs> and and uh, folks, the Cowboys have to beat Philadelphia and win one of their other two games mm-hmm. to get in the playoffs. That's what has to happen. That's it. That is it. And it's in front of them. It is. It's there for the taking. This is Radio X. <laughs> this has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?